Good morning, my patriot friends. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that unleashes all that freedom and liberty locked away in my synapses. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. And as always, I'm coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcast. The show is also available on Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Audible. You can follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify, and you can share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, and anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. And your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, all of those are people we'll talk about in our research uh, in this episode. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com for free content. At my website, you can also find my book, Implicit Biases in the Unconscious, Liberal Biases, Racial Prejudice, and Politics, which is available exclusively at barnesandnoble.com. You can follow me on Locals and Truth Social. Uh, you can follow me on Rumble. I'm at CSPsychOK on Truth Social, and I'm, I'm the same thing on Locals. I am the conservative social psychologist on Rumble. You can, you can search Locals.com uh, for my Patriot Brain community, uh, where you can see posts related to the show and engage with each other. I post episode previews and other announcements on my Locals page. Um, from my website, you can click on my, the link to my Truth Social account, where I post articles related to the show. You don't have to have a Truth Social account to see that. It's public, so you can click on that from my website and, and see those links anytime. Uh, this show is sponsored by GadsdenOne.com. Gadsden, preserving the, preserve the founding. Uh, go check out that website and, and look at some of his uh, articles. College football news. Uh, AP top rankings are the same. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Florida State. Again, we've talked about how number one, Michigan plays Alabama in the Rose Bowl uh, on January 1st. Uh, number two, Washington plays number three, Texas, uh, and the Sugar Bowl, um, also on January 1st. Uh, Tech plays Cal in the Independence Bowl on December 16th, which is coming up in two days, 8.15 Central Time on ESPN. Uh, OU plays Arizona on December 28th uh, in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, a 10-3 NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys are at Buffalo this week. Uh, 3.25 Central Time Sunday on Fox. Uh, Buffalo is a now a 2.5-point favorite. Uh, they were a 2-point favorite earlier in the week. Uh, I was watching football the other day, and I was, I was watching Sunday night football and I was thinking about how the Monday night football crew, you know, it used to be there was football on sun, Sunday. That was it. And then Monday uh, you had Monday night football as far as professional went. And of course, when I was growing up, uh, the Monday night football crew was, let's see, it was uh, Frank Gifford, Al Michaels and Dan Deardorff. Um, I, I didn't do that in order of importance. I would have put Al Michaels first if I had done that. Um, but so th those were the, that was the crew. That was the, the voice of Monday Night Football uh, for a pretty decent chunk of my life. Uh, and they traded out some folks. And, of course, Al Michaels and John Madden were a, a tremendous crew uh, calling Monday Night Football when they did it together. Um, but I was thinking about my son, like the voice of his youth uh, for Sunday Night Football, which is different than Monday Night, but it's the same basic setup that they have as, as far as an extravaganza. Uh, Mike Tirico and Chris Collingsworth. And that's what made me think about the Monday night crew. Cause it, I thought it was Monday instead of Sunday. And I thought, Oh, my son has to grow up in a world where Chris Collinsworth is the voice of his youth uh, on Monday night football. And then I realized it was Sunday. And then Monday I'm like, Oh, well, who does Monday night football? I forgot. Even though I watched it every week. Oh, it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I, I like those guys. Um, uh, I know some of you all don't care about sports, but those of you that do uh, are going to be split right down the middle on what you think of Joe Buck uh, as an announcer from Baseball, football, whatever. Um, but Troy Aikman, how cool is that? I mean, one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up watching uh, is my announcer. He's really good. Anyway, so my son gets to have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Uh, Chris Collingsworth is not the standard. So tragedy averted there. Uh, 
Thunder, speaking of ba- uh, professional sports and NBA basketball, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder Arena uh, vote. The uh, 1% sales tax passed, which will fund uh, uh, a new arena for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, it passed 71% to 29%, which is 41,129 voters voted for it and 16,797 voters voted against it. Uh, it was, I think, the only thing on the ballot, pretty much, uh, depending on where you're at, um, what district you're, where, where you are. Um, but that's a pretty low voter turnout for the entire, you know, Oklahoma city, um, not the metropolitan area, but Oklahoma city itself as a city municipal, um, that's not a lot of votes, uh, but anyway, so it passed. So there'll be a, a when the 1% sales tax expires, it will be replaced by a 1% sales tax. Basically it'll just be extended uh, It's a 72 month tax of $974 million. Uh, they're hoping to open the arena in that for the 29, 30 season, uh, there are other competing places that are building uh, arenas kind of waiting for a, a team like Oklahoma city to uh, not have an arena. Uh, and then opposition to it, of course, had to do with the fact that the public is funding 95% of the arena, but the public does get to keep the arena. Um, but they're, they're putting in $850 million and the thunder paying 50 million. Um, so that was, that's what happened. But the important thing here is I guess take home is that Oklahoma city is going to keep the thunder. Um, we might've paid more in tax money than we should have. Um, but we do get to keep the thunder. So that's a good thing. Uh, okay. So I was traveling the last two days. I went to Richmond, Virginia, uh, for business the last two days. And when I told my son that I was going to Richmond, he goes, huh, that's the capital of the Confederacy. Or actually he said, that's the capital of, uh, of, uh, Virginia. And I said, is it? He goes, well, it was the capital of the Confederacy. So I assume it's the capital of Richmond. I'm like that's a very practical answer that he gave me there. And so I texted my dad and said, Hey, I'm in Richmond. And he said, that's the capital of the Confederacy. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me that I can get almost identical responses from my dad and my grandfather. They're like, or, and his grandfather, my, my dad, hang on a second, my son and my dad, um, my dad is my son's grandfather. Anyway. So the fact that they think of the same kind of odd bits of trivia, when you prime them with something, um, you know, just fascinating to me generationally, how that can work. Uh, I, one of the things I know is that I'm not great with technology. Um, I know I'm coming to you um, through technology every Monday and Thursday morning, right? On Spotify and iHeartRadio. Um, but I, I don't use Ubers. And I don't use Lyfts. I'll ride with people in them. Um, I had people ask me, you know, are you opposed to putting the app on your phone? I'm like, no, I just don't ever think about it. You know, if I, if I need to go someplace, then it's too late. And if, I'm not, if I don't need to go someplace, I don't think about putting the app on my phone. So I probably need to put the app on my phone and learn how to use those things. Um, and maybe I need my listeners to, to chime in on the Patriot brain line and say, Hey, did you do that yet? And I'll say, Oh no, I forgot. Thank you. Uh, hold me accountable for that. Um, but anyway, so I've always been around people that have that. Um, I take cabs places. I remember a few years ago when I was an uh, administrator, I walked into the office and people were kind of like snickering and laughing a little bit about something. I say, Hey, what, you know, what's going on? What's funny? What's going on? And then they kind of chuckled a little bit. They looked at me and they're like, we're looking at your expense report for traveling. And like, you still take cabs? <laughs> I said, yes, I take cabs. Uh, and I've been taking cabs my whole professional career. Uh, they're like, well, you know, it's a lot cheaper if you do an Uber uh, and it's it's more convenient too. And so their, their response to that was uh, to arrange for cars for me to take me places like I'm some kind of little kid, right? So they thought that that wasn't working well. So they would just, they would have a cab service set things up to pick me up to take me places. I'm like, well, I can... I can still find my way around a city on my own just because I don't have an Uber or Lyft. You don't have to send cars for me. Um, 
And then one time they, you know, like, oh, we got a limo. I saw that they had a limo for me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That seems kind of extravagant for higher ed, um, but awesome. I'll go, I guess I'm going to get a limo ride. And it wasn't a limo. It was basically a limo service that had like a regular car. So I was like, oh, I'm riding in a guy's regular car. Um, but no, I, I like Ubers and Lyfts. Those are fine. I just don't know how to do them myself. Uh, so speaking of kind of technology, leaving the airport yesterday and I'm going to the toll and I can always look there. They've got the cashier lane and then they've got other lanes that are self-service. And a lot of times they have a person there too. And I usually end up having a long conversation with the person in the toll booth uh, when I do that. So this time I said, well, the cashier lane is getting kind of full. So I'll go to one of these others and gamble that there's a person in there and I can do the self-checkout. Like I, I do that a lot of times, but if there's a person there, I'd rather, I'd rather deal with the person who's getting paid to deal with people um, over the machine. So I, I go into the line and, there, and a lady pops in and she's walking across one of the other lanes and she goes in. And I don't know if she's there for you know, you know to be a cashier or if she's there to just empty the trash. And I have no idea what she's in there for, but she opens the window. And so I pull up past the machine to her and she's like, well, I just got here. And I said, OK, are you are you able to you know, check me out or not? She's like, can you just scoot back to the, the machine? I said, I can't. I said, I just I tend to I prefer the people over the machine. But I said, as long as there's no spikes or anything, yeah, I can back up and do that. And she's like, oh, well, no, if, if you don't mind, it won't take very long for me to get logged in. And she got really excited because she's in a toll booth and most people don't ever stop to, to, to use her services. They, they do the machine and only see her if something went wrong. And I said, yeah, I, I've got time. I'll wait. And by the way, this is like midnight when I got in for my flight, too. So this is midnight. I'm exhausted. I've been traveling all day, basically for two days. Um, and but I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the time to talk to a person. And there's other cars like in the other lanes doing their self checkout and taking off. Uh, so now I'm thinking, all right, well, I've, I don't know how long it's going to take for her to boot up the machine, but I mean, I'm kind of committed to this, so um, we'll go with it. And so we, we had a nice talk about uh, how both of us prefer the, the human interaction and having the, the, a person helping somebody than, than the machine. And she said, right, my son's a computer software engineer, and he's always telling me that I need to automate this and this, uh, you know, my banking things. And she's like, no, I, I want to write a check and I want to use, you know, pen and paper and be able to go into the bank and see people and, and have somebody, a human being help me. I said, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, and then we, then we talked about how um, everybody makes fun of me for not using Ubers. Uh, and the Uber thing, people will ask me, like, so they still have cabs? I'm like, yeah, they still have cabs. Well, I never see the cabs. Well, they're there. If you go to the airport, if you take a different direction, instead of going to the, to the lift in the Uber place, you just turn to the cab place. There's always a line of cabs, and you just hop in one, and you go. Anyway, I prefer people over technology, and uh, I understand the importance of AI. Uh, and where we're going, and I can implement that stuff where I, where I need to for my business and everything else that I do. Um, but that doesn't mean that I like replacing people with technology. Uh, okay, so also on that flight, I lost my, and I'm probably getting all the terms wrong here. So I've got some AirPods, and I think that the pieces are called earbuds. We're going to go with that because that's what I think they are. Uh, they're not wi they're wireless, right? So they're great. I've had them for a couple of years. I was skeptical when I got them, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I don't have the wires snagging on everything. So, um, anyway, I lost one. I, I dozed off for a, just a split second and my head bobbed and it fell out and it fell in between the seat in a place where I couldn't get it. Uh, and so I spent the entire flight just staring at the back of the thing in front of me with nothing to do. Um, I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. I thought, well, when we get to the end of the flight, I'll ask the guy behind me if he can, if he has it. So I turn around and we're getting off the plane it's mostly unloaded and that guy's still sleeping. He, the guy had been sleeping the whole time. And I'm, 
I asked the guy next to him who, based on the perceptual principles of similarity, I thought the two were traveling together, but apparently that wasn't the case. Uh, he looked as best as he could around this other big kind of scary guy. Uh, he's just like, I, I, I can't see anything there. I'm like, that's fine. I don't, I don't want to wake that guy up either. He looks kind of scary. So anyway, my earbud was still there and I got off the plane and I'm like, man, I hope that guy's still sleeping and ends up in the wrong place. Um, he ends up on a, on a, on a different flight going somewhere else. Um, because my earbuds down there somewhere, but I also think it went down like a shoot between the seatbelt thing and, and didn't end up in the, on the floor anywhere. I think it just vanished. So anyway, I, I don't, when you see me using wired earbuds, it's because I didn't want to tell anybody when I got home that I lost my earbud, uh, my wireless one. So, uh, there you go. I'll have, I'll be using the wired one instead of buying a new one. Uh, okay. So let's get to some, some politics and some research stuff. Uh, this article I posted on my truth social Trump jabs at Hunter Biden, skipping congressional deposition went to the wrong place by Houston Keene, December 13th, 2023 uh, Fox news. So uh, Hunter Biden was supposed to be deposed by Congress yesterday and the house and the Senate have no authority over e each other on, on each other's side of the building. And so instead of going to the house building, he went to the Senate building and he gave a press conference about, you know, evil Republicans and going after my dad and, my dad had no, I haven't heard the whole thing. I've just seen parts of it. Um, my dad had no, um, no association with my business. I'm like, well, okay, isn't he then immediately by saying that, isn't he kind of admitting the fact that his business was super sketchy? Um, and if his business is super sketchy, then why would we believe that he's not lying about that? Um, Cause obviously he is But anyway. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, I, I seems like that Hunter Biden's holding a press conference. They ought to just arrest him because you know there's outstanding warrants for him somewhere. Somebody, so, even in a small town somewhere else, somebody can drive up there, get him arrested, and haul him off. Uh, and that has nothing to do with my dislike of Joe Biden and his presidency. I just think Hunter Biden needs to be off the streets and out of circulation. Uh, okay, so speaking of the evil Bidens, I uh, posted this on my Truth Social by Elizabeth Elkind, December 13th, 2023, in Fox News. Uh, House votes to authorize Biden impeachment inquiry. Uh, the House voted on party lines 221 to 212 to formalize the impeachment inquiry that was started in September. Uh, the White House has been uncooperative. Uh, they say that there needs to be a vote on it before they'll start cooperating. So now there's been a vote. They still won't cooperate. Um, but keep an eye on that. We'll see how it goes. Everybody's kind of lined up on this uh, down party lines. And so Democrats are going to think that it was a bogus impeachment no matter what we do. And it was just vindictive because... Donald Trump got impeached twice because Donald Trump was evil. Uh, it's just going to be more of people believing the same stuff. Um, it, it could have a play for independence because independence, you know, a lot of times just look and say, well, Donald Trump, he got impeached twice, so he must be a bad president. He's on trial, so he must be a bad president. So I'm not voting for him. And so Biden getting, uh, I think the Democrats play only play with the, if, when Joe Biden gets impeached, uh, I think their only play is going to be to try to deleg delegitimize the impeachment uh, and hope that some of it sticks for the independents. Otherwise independents are going to look at it and go, okay, well, I don't like either side of these. Um, they're both bad. And then we're back in a terrible situation where we have suppressed turnout, um, corruption and everything else when it comes to uh, an election. We'll see how that goes. Uh, okay. So higher, some higher ed stuff has been going on. Um, posted an article on my truth social, December 11th, 2023 from by Katie Pavlich in town hall. Uh, Penn gave their former president a bailout. So uh, 
testifying in front of Congress or last week, I think it was, um, it was hard to get the presidents of several colleges and universities that were testifying. They, they wouldn't admit the fact that um, basically anti-Semitic statements uh, go against speech code. Um, and so it, uh, at least Stefanik had a pretty interesting exchange. If you want to look that up at some point and find it, um, but they wouldn't, they would they would defend their speech codes and then essentially defend uh, anti-Semitism uh, and genocide, which is kind of the bigger problem, not problem, but as far as conceptually when we're talking about this, uh, as not violating their, their speech codes. Um, anyway, so the, the Penn president resigned, but she gets a law school position um, where she gets to teach in the law school there. Uh, so she still lands in a decent spot at the same place where she was at. Uh, another article posted on My True Social, also by Katie Pavlich, December 12, 2023, in Town Hall. Um, the future of Harvard's president has been decided. So the outcome of the Harvard president uh, position was Harvard doubled down, circled the wagons, and said, um, we're, we're going to keep our president. We're fully behind her. Um, so Har- Harvard president gets to keep her job. It'll be interesting to see uh, if there's any Republican donors left th- to Harvard uh, that will pull any funding or if Harvard's kind of betting, like, I don't think we have a lot of people that donate to us or support us anyway, that are Republicans. And even though they've got alums that are Republicans, like, uh, you know, that lots of people have got, especially Harvard business school, uh, that they're going to, um, that they don't have very many conservatives that are donating money to them anyway, because they've been super woke for a while. Uh, Democrats are uh, posted on my true social Democrats are right to be scared of Trump's vengeance by Kurt Schlichter, December 11th, 2023 in town hall. Uh, Kurt, who's a friend of mine made a really good argument. He said that, um, you know, Russian collusion, COVID and and the BLM stuff um, all tied Trump's hands. So he didn't get anything done, which was their, their plan. Like we just tie him up. He can't do anything to us. Uh, the progressives that is. Um, so he couldn't get stuff done in his, his presidency. He got a lot of stuff done, but he didn't get anywhere nearly what he could have done if they hadn't been just intentionally inflicting damage and tying up his time, which they're still doing today. Um, my favorite quote from this article, though. So Schlichter said, and Democrats should be grateful if Trump wins the nomination in the election. Trump is an old guy who grew up with a different in a different era and still has that sliver of respect for institutions. But Ron DeSantis does not. He would be 100 times harsher. Uh, now, Kurt Schlichter has been a, a he's been a very strong supporter of President Trump for since Trump ran for office. Right. Well, not in the beginning, but but he was very strong, very pro Trump. He's written books supporting Trump. I've got a book over here somewhere that um, Kurt wrote that was I'm not going to get it right because I can't see it without looking away from the microphone. Uh, but I think it was like the 50. 50 lies um, about you as a Trump supporter. Uh, anyway, it was it was really good. So he's not anti-Trump at all. He he's he very adamantly says that he's pro whoever can get elected to be president as a conservative. Um, he thinks DeSantis has the best chance for that. He's coming around more again on Trump. Um, you, you know, so he he likes DeSantis. Um, he seems to support DeSantis the most right now. Um, but he has also said many times, like, look, I'll completely support Trump if he gets the nomination. Uh, his worry is whether or not Trump wins the general election. Um, and then of course you all have heard me talk about my opinion here, which is like, they're going to vilify whoever it is and, and inflict the same type of damage and tie him, whoever it is, they're going to say, he's just like Trump and it's going to be the same stuff. So, uh, to me, it doesn't matter, uh, who's going to be, uh, well, it matters to me who's going to be the nominee. I mean, I'd rather it not be Nikki Haley and I sure as hell don't want it to be Chris Christie. Uh, so it doesn't matter to me who gets the elect, who gets the, uh, 
uh, the Republican nod. But I don't think that the argument of who's 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 going to appeal better to the general public right now uh, has any merit because the media is just so vindictive and malicious. So, but anyway, but it's a good article. You ought to read it. Um, it, it gets back to um, what Trump should do and how he should, um, you know, within the within the realm of, of bureaucratic swampland, you know, um, take out vengeance on Department of Justice on, uh, you know, all the things that have been misused. Uh, against Republicans. Uh, I retruthed on True Social um, a truth from Senator Lankford, uh, Senator James Lankford, Senator from Oklahoma. He said, We have 21,000 seeking asylum, and we have 21,000 people seeking asylum in three days. In 2010, we had 21,000 in one year. This is out of control. We must put real policy in place to close the loopholes the cartels are exploiting. Uh, and I, I absolutely I agree with that completely. Um, I will say this, you know, why are we using tax money to secure the Ukraine uh, and not the U.S.? Like we're, we're not even securing our own border. Why are we spending all of our tax money securing other people's borders and not securing our own? It's ridiculous. Okay, so a little bit of science stuff. Uh, Time magazine uh, honors Earth Observation Technology Company founded by Oklahomans for best invention in 2023. By Hikam Rocky, Rachi, uh, December 6th, 2023, in Oklahoma Business Voice. I posted this on my True Social. Uh, so they talk about what it's a LIDAR satellite technology company. And I can only assume that L has to do with laser based on what we're going to talk about. Um, but they, so there were 200, it's a list of 200 extraordinary innovations that are changing lives and culture. And so New View, the, t- <clears throat> the time list is, the, is that. New View is an Earth observation company founded by Clint and Katie Grauman, who are from Oklahoma. Uh, New View is headquartered in Orlando, Florida, uh, and it has this technology that sends a laser pulse to Earth and creates a three-dimensional map. So the la- it's just like you, you do with other radar or sonar, right? The, the, the laser shoots down to Earth and bounces back up, and it records that. And so you can get three-dimensional maps of topographies of the Earth. Uh, they've got one. So New View has one point two billion dollars worth of agreements, including the Department of Defense. And you might ask, why would the Department of Defense want this? We've already got Google Maps. We've got maps of things. Well, this this technology assesses vegetation density. Uh, it can create biomass estimates, which tells you how much life is in a particular area. Right. So it can do different things. Um, it's kind of scary to me that it has that it can do that. Um, but it can help with defense and it can help with conservation. Uh, the conservation part, if you're able to estimate the vegetation density and biomass estimates, that's going to help manage. You know, I, I'm a hunter and a fisherman. It'll help you manage wildlife areas. It can help you manage lots of things. Um, that's important. Um, with defense, uh, I would assume that if you're sending troops in on the ground someplace, it'd be nice if you had a lay of not only what the land looks like, but how much vegetation, how thick is the vegetation in an area of, you know, here's, here's a grove of trees you're going to have to go through. How thick is that vegetation? Uh, you know, even as a hunter, right? Like sometimes um, vines and thorns and th- you know vines and, and uh, vegetation will grow up in a way that makes it imp- almost impassable. And other times it's not. Uh, so that would be very useful information for people to have. Uh, anyway, interesting. Keep it, keep an eye on that. Um, if it's really, I would, it's, it, 
if it's really successful, we'll never hear about it again, right? Because whoever is using it will not want other people to have that technology available to them and they're not going to talk about it. So this may be the only time you ever hear about LIDAR satellite technology um, with a laser pulse going down to, 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 a three, to create a three-dimensional map of vegetation density, biomass estimates, and topography. Okay, so another article I posted on my Truth Social, OMRF, which is the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation, scientists help identify cause of a brain disorder. November 16th, 2023, uh, it was an OMRF press release. So this is research based on a, it's research on a, what, what's an, it's a no-name uh, neurodevelopmental disorder that's similar to Parkinson's. So it has no name. That's how cutting edge I am right here is I'm bringing you research that you couldn't have even Googled if you wanted to. Because you couldn't Google like what neurodevelopmental disorder similar to Parkinson's unnamed. Maybe, I guess, maybe you could come close. Um, but there haven't been enough instances of it to have a name. Um, it's ba- There's a genetic mutation that affects 45 people, uh, 28 families. So these 45 people are in 28 families uh, on several different continents, 11 people in the United States. So it's it's unnamed, but they have found that it's based on a particular genetic mutation. It begins early in life and progresses into motor and cognitive deterioration in adulthood. Uh, they use, the researchers are using here in Oklahoma are using zebrafish to study it. And so it's look, they're looking in the humans, the human gene is, which I, I don't think that's going to mean a lot to you. I, I have, I do know molecular biologists that could have found their way to my podcast. So maybe they know, um, but I doubt most of you know, this. but human gene ACBD6 uh, is what it affects in humans. Uh, again, so zebrafish are interesting to study because uh, zebrafish larvae are transparent, so you can see everything that's going on in, in, inside of them, uh, and then they grow, you know, externally, so they're not growing inside of an egg. Uh, so their brain development and their behavior can be seen and observed very carefully. Uh, they also have a lot of the same um, genetic markers for very important genes in the, in in people, um, so they're able to study that anyway. So. Interesting research, right? That you probably don't hear on other people's podcasts talking about a no-named neurodevelopmental disorder uh, and how they use zebrafish to study that. Okay, so today's main topic is a study by the um, by faculty at the University Universidad Carlos III de Madrid. So it's the University of Carlos III of Madrid, uh, November 27, 2023 in physics.org. Now, that's not the main study. The main study was published in the Proceedings of the National, National Academy of Sciences. Uh, the main study is uh, also co-authored by, I think it was a professor at Loyola. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, but the, the, the study, the article about the study is new study analyzes how people choose friendships at school. Uh, it's, it's published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Again, I haven't gone to that yet. I'm, I'll go to it soon. Again, I've been, tra- I've been traveling, so I didn't get to look at the main article. But the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences typically has their, their stuff available for free. Uh, usually a lot of their articles are available for free. So if you go to that article that I, that I have, will post on my true social, um, then that, that gives you a link that should take you to the proceedings of the national Academy of sciences. And I would guess that it's not behind a paywall for this one. It could be, but I would say about 70% or more of the proceedings, um, stuff is not behind a paywall. Uh, so they uh, used machine learning and artificial intelligence to predict whether there is a good or bad relationship between people. Uh, right. So if let's see, uh, I'll pick a listener, right? Jason from Piedmont, right? So me and Jason from Piedmont and we're two points of data and they want to look at the relationship between us. And so is it good or bad? So good relationship. And then we 
flag that as a good relationship. And then Jason from Piedmont has other friends and that other friend, is there a good relationship or a bad relationship between him and that friend or him and that enemy or whoever it is? And there's, there's obviously stuff between friend and enemy. And so they build that network up and they use machine learning and AI to predict any particular relationship based on the entire network. Uh, I look at this as quantifying uh, Fritz Heider's balance theory uh, and then the old network theory. So balance theory, we've talked about balance theory before on here, right? So that same relationship kind of, but it's more, you know, positive or negative between people, which is how this model is set up. Uh, and then network theories, you know, look, looked at the network, I guess soci- the old sociograms they used to create, which is mapping out the relationships of all the um, people. This is all this is, right? I mean, this is actually just using machine learning and AI to quantify balance theory and this, the old sociogram techniques of networking uh, and make predictions on specific relationships, which I think is fascinating. I haven't gone, I'm going to go in and look at the, uh, the proceedings article, the original article of this to see if what I just said is true about uh, balance theory, sociograms, uh, and then adding that predictive component to it. Uh, really cool stuff. They looked at uh, kids in 13 secondary schools, 3,000 students, uh, 60,000 relationships. Uh, and they also looked at students' personality traits, which is kind of the neat kicker here. Uh, that's a really important part of this. Using all of that, they can predict with 90% accuracy if a person is friends or enemies with someone based on their common friends and enemies. So with 90% accuracy, you can just take any particular spot in the network and predict what that relationship is with 90% accuracy um, based on all the other stuff. Um, the personality part is really important because it allows them to, to pull out the effects of personality on that accuracy. Uh, essentially, they found that social relationships start with personality and then you make a friend or two and then you have you that influences your behavior a little bit and then you add friends of friends and that's that's what drives our social behaviors and decisions. But it's not just the friend part, it's the enemy part too, right? So I meet you and I make a friend and then I have friend, right? But I also meet you and maybe I make an enemy and then your enemies and my enemies and we start going from there. Um, and so that's, that's what drives our social behaviors and decision are the friends and enemies in that network. Um, and it, it, the whole system um, builds on itself. It's not, it's not your personality determines whether or not you're going to be friends with somebody else that's one, one loop out of the circle or two loops out of the circle or three. Uh, the common friends and enemies um, become the largest predictor of, of, of that um, very quickly. So the researchers argue that it challenges the similarity principle uh, as the primary driver of, of a social network. Uh, similarity principle is, and we've talked about this before, is that you know, you're more likely to like somebody who's similar to you uh, and dislike somebody who's um, the more dissimilar they are, uh, the less you're going to like them, not necessarily dislike them, but the less that you're going to like them. So researchers argue that um, they're arguing the point that the similarity principle is not the primary driver. Uh, and it's not personalities. It's like it's the weight of that network of friends and enemies uh, that's the primary driver once it's established. Interesting stuff. I'll hit again on it and on on applications for it in my closing thoughts. All right. So to the Patriot Brain Line, a girly 920 from Tennessee said, uh, sent me a, um, a, a copy of part of the letter from the University of Oklahoma president. Um, says, today Oklahoma's governor signed an, this is a letter from OU's president to the OU community. Today, Oklahoma's governor signed an executive order eliminating offices of diversity, equity, and inclusion at all public health institutions, education institutions in Oklahoma, including our own. Uh, That was part of a letter from the University of Oklahoma president. Uh, She says that uh, she says that this should be copied by every office holder in every red state nationwide uh, immediately. 
Uh, and, you know, I, it's, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, like, you know, diversity is an important thing. I've talked about this before. It's turned into some kind of, uh, I gotta be careful what words I say, so I don't have to flag this, this podcast. Uh, it's turned into a kind of a, a money-making progressive scheme is what it's turned into. Uh, it's different than, you know, the 1980s multicultural calls, which were like, Hey, everybody, um, some kids have different cultural experiences than others. So just kind of pay attention to that. Be aware of that, right? That's different than what it is turned into now. Uh, and so I, I mean, I, I, there's not really a, there's not really a way to, um, pick and choose what comes out of that progressive agenda and say, well, okay, there's some parts here that are okay. Uh, and then the rest of this is complete, uh, counterproductive garbage. Uh, you be, I guess you just kind of have to shut the whole thing down. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you to girly920 for sending me that. Uh, Chris from Washington uh, wanted to elaborate on Bonini's paradox. So I'm going to read this, his response. It's, uh, it's good. It's very helpful. Um, Bonini's paradox says that in a complex system, predictive model can never be completely accurate uh, because in order to be completely accurate, it would literally have to become reality. A good example is a map. You use it to navigate to a desired location. It has directions and street names, etc., but it doesn't have everything. It doesn't have house numbers. It doesn't show road construction. It doesn't show a tree that fell across the road or the flooded road. Uh, it isn't supposed to. It is supposed to give you a useful overview that you can comprehend in order to plan your trip. In order to have everything, it would it would have to be, become reality. And if it became reality, it would lose its very purpose as a useful overview. The weather example you used in your show is also rather instructive to this point. It is fairly accurate, at least where I live, in the shorter term, say three to five days out, less accurate the farther out you go. In my area, it's completely worthless beyond about two weeks, to say nothing of two months. So when climate scientists talk about what is going to happen in 10 or 20 years, in my humble opinion, uh, Bonini's paradox slaps them right in the mouth. Economics are similar. If they had accurate predictive models, we probably wouldn't have recessions. Uh, awesome. Thank you for sending me that response, uh, Chris from Washington State. Uh when we were talking about the, the, this, you, you really kind of nailed home what I should have included in my response before, as far as the predictive models. And, and when you look at even the basic statistics and, you know, like look at regression and, and creating a regression model, uh, you can't predict out past what you have, the data that you have. So I can't predict beyond, uh, that time frame. Um, so predictive models allow you a little bit of that, but again, like you're saying right here, like the weather is much more accurate, um, if I'm looking at, is this storm going to hit me right now or not? Like if I'm standing on a baseball field with a team ready to go or a practice field with a team ready to go, I can look at it and go, it's going to just miss us. Shouldn't be any lightning strikes. We ought to be okay. Um, and we're talking about something that's going to hit in five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It gets less, di it gets a little bit more dicey when it's like an hour from now, two hours from now. Right. And so it's like, well, if we're right on the edge, that makes a difference. Like in general, we know where it's going to go, but it, you know, now we're looking at, you know, we start off, if you're close in time proximity to that predictive model that it's given you, you're like, okay, so a minute from now, I know I can be very precise with how close that's going to hit me five minutes from now, 10 minutes from now, 15 minutes from now, a little bit less. You're moving that distance out uh, 20 minutes now, an hour from now, it's a little harder for me to tell whether that's going to clip us or not. Uh, two hours from now, harder earlier in the morning when I'm looking at it going, okay, it's going to do this. You know, I'm not all that certain that it's going to hit us, hit the field or not that one spot that I'm looking at that's right on the edge. Uh, and you get farther out, right? So, um, 
you know, two weeks from now, it says like, Hey, you might get some rain that day. And, and it'll show a lot of times a predictive radar. And you're like, okay, that didn't go over the field, but that's two weeks out from now. We have no idea, right? If that's going to work. So that's really what you're getting at here. It's the same with, with economics. It's the same with climate change. Um, although in, uh, in climate change, you know, the time frame for climate change predicting five years or 10 years from now is, is a lot closer in proximity. If you're, if you're looking at all of the data versus, um, predicting, uh, you know, a thousand years from now, um, those, those types of things. Uh, the problem is, well, there's a lot of problems. The problem is when politics infects the models, right? Uh, and so if your model has an, already a, a conclusion that you're looking for and you create the model that, that's going to give you that, uh, so you can sensationalize the agenda, right? That's the problem. The problem is that when politics infiltrate science and everybody's got an agenda for it, but when you're driven by things like, uh, profits, um, as far as companies go, like stocks. When we talked about the artificial intelligence um, with with the stocks, uh, the computer algorithms that are able to create and adjust to each other and play in and affect the market at the same time. Uh, there's a bottom line. There's profits. It's very objective. It's just capture the most value that you can uh, and and make that happen. That's the mission. Uh, so when those types of models have a better chance of being accurate than the ones that people are doing for political reasons, like I got into climate change re research to change the world and I'm going to create this model. Well, already you've got a bunch of strikes against you uh, thinking that you shouldn't, you can believe anything that model creates. Uh, and same with economics. I'm not saying to discount economics because economists politically are like 50% Republican, 50% Democrat. Uh, it's actually less than that. Uh, and then there's a big middle ground. Uh, economists are the most balanced. If you look at the data, uh, which I can always send people to uh, multiple places. If you look at the data politically in the U S economists are like the most like down the middle balanced discipline in, in all of academia. Uh, so the stuff that they're coming up with um, overall balances out. If you can look at all of it um, and it, it create competition for those models where you got different people creating them. Anyway, thank you very much, Chris from Washington. Uh, Sarah from California says, uh, it was a great show. Love the info about conservative parents. I'm seeing the fruit of my conservative parents' labors now. Even better, my conservative young adult children are seeing the fruits of liberal parenting everywhere. Uh, thank you to Sarah. Keep listening on iHeart. Uh, appreciate your comment. And, uh, and it made me laugh out loud more than once. I guess it's basically you reap what you sow um, or you sow what you're going to reap. I don't know how, at this moment um, what that phrase is. You reap what you sow, right? Like you sow it. And then you reap it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's right up Sarah's alley as far as, um, you know, what she does in California. Um, okay. Uh, voice message me through, if you want to get a hold of me on Patriot Brain, like you can voice message me through Spotify for podcasters, engage with the show through Truth Social and Locals, or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting my Patriot brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for podcasters page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. Now it's time for my closing thoughts. The research we discussed today has applications to identifying people who are at risk or a higher risk, at least uh, for social exclusion in schools and work in the workplace. Good teachers and managers intuitively do this. They recognize who gets along and who doesn't get along, and they use this information to make the team work the most efficiently. The bad teachers and managers are unaware of these dynamics, and everyone suffers for that. 
these findings help to quantify what makes us tick in our dynamic social world. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible. Follow me on Truth Social, Rumbles, Rumbles, uh, Locals, Rumble, Rumbles, Local, whatever. Uh, Truth Social, Locals, and Rumble. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com and have a great weekend.